All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's RCFB Talk 179. I'm Bob Akairi. It's Tuesday night. This is when we like to talk to you about everything that's going on in college football. So if you'd like to join the conversation, you can always hit request in the bottom left of the Twitter app and we'll get you up here. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about here as we continue through this lovely off season. So several things going on these days. Obviously, one of the, the bigger stories right now, um, well, actually, since we last hosted on Tuesday, we had a separate show kind of talking about Harbaugh's departure to the L.A. Chargers, and some things have been added to that. Sharon Moore is now the new head coach of Michigan, unsurprisingly. Uh, some of the departures with Harbaugh are not entirely surprising. His son Jay is going with him. Uh Mostly losing Minter, the uh, defense coordinator, is a big loss, but we'll see how they replace that. I think Moore's elevation to being the head coach was inevitable, and he was really the, the biggest choice that they had for that. So let's see. I see, John, your hand was up. I'm going to let you up here. Some other things going on. I mean, there apparently is now a new, another, a new investigation against Tennessee. The New York Times uh, actually reported that, I guess, there was use of a private jet to uh, bring their quarterback to campus when he was being uh, when he was a recruit. It seems like you know, setting aside the fact that it's Tennessee is kind of secondary to this. It's the NCAA is finally apparently starting to crack down on some of the wild west of NIL that's been going on for the past several years. Obviously, uh, Florida State recently get, was given some notice. That one was more minor. It was with Alex Atkins was driving a potential transfer to a meeting with the uh, with their collective as well. That transfer ended up staying, and that seems to be how the NCAA got tipped off. But lots of things going on here in uh, college football. John, what's going on? How are you? Hey, man. How you doing tonight? Good. Thanks. Well, I'll I'll throw a little bit of a softball out of you here. Um, now with uh, you know officially the news of Coach Moore. Uh, you know, with the internal hire, what what are your thoughts about it? Do you, you do you think it's a good hire? Do you think it's a good fit? What what do you think is the expectation for Michigan for this next season and maybe the seasons beyond? I think it was a good fit only because the way Harbaugh built Michigan was kind of a little bit, little less than traditional for a program to win the national title. Kind of for the direction the program went because. We've seen how, you know, obviously Alabama and Georgia have done it, and Alabama is now kind of a wait and see how much of that consistency can continue under Kalen DeBoer. With uh, Kirby Smart, he was obviously a disciple of Nick Saban, so it's pile-up talent. Ohio State's been doing this too, and certainly like with a, with a second wind after Michigan's success. But to pile up lots of talent and then, you know, with some coaching, obviously make it happen, competent coaching, good coaching. I'm not trying to say that the talent makes up for coaching because we've certainly seen programs like USC and Miami that will recruit, or Texas A&M, that will recruit great talent and still not quite be able to get the results. But Harbaugh's approach, this kind of let's transfer. They had some transfers. Obviously, there's some notable transfers on that Michigan roster. But building up a lot of these these big recruits they brought in, and building up that O-line and kind of that physicality that is is key to how he played, almost going a little bit backwards away from things that were like the uh, the spread and, and then kind of, I should say, the air rate and kind of a more aggressive pass, going back to a more physical, run-heavy, balanced offense. Um, I think Sharon Moore is perfect for kind of keeping that up because that was his thing. Obviously, he's offensive line guy, which is also a nice thing for keeping that kind of offense rolling. I think... They're losing a couple of key people like J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, most of the O-line. 
but they're keeping some key guys like Donovan Edwards, who, despite a, a kind of a weak overall season, really came back roaring in the title game. Um, Colson Loveland's back. Samaj Morgan, Tyler Morris, Mason Graham, uh, Will Johnson, Rod Moore. A lot of good guys are coming back on that defense as well. So it'll be interesting. I don't know if they're going to necessarily maintain where they were going to be, and I don't think any, even Harbaugh expected that, quite frankly, um, heading into the next season. But I, I think that was a great question. Um, do you have a quick follow-up? And I'm going to let up Ski Masks Murphy. Yeah, um, just following up on that. Do you think the departure of Harbaugh and having more promoted and the key departures going to the NFL draft and graduation, do you think that affects the preseason ranking for Michigan coming to the next season? Do you think all of this maybe pushes them back further than they maybe initially would have been ranked? That's a good question. I mean, I've seen some rankings out there that put some kind of in the, you know, in the top 10, not necessarily the top five. I, I think it's kind of an interesting question. I don't know. If where I would put them, I would I would put them maybe in the top, oh, I don't know, 15 and let them work their way back up, like not like completely drop them, because I think there's there's going to be a level of consistency there. I'm not expecting just because of, of some of the key changes, especially J.J. McCarthy, uh, you know, having him as, as your quarterback. I know he wasn't they didn't necessarily heavily rely on him, but you can't undersell having someone who is is competent. And apparently, you know, according to the, the draft predictions, quite a better quarterback than necessarily uh, some might realize, at least from the way they used him. But um, yeah, I, I think Michigan, you know, I've, I've seen sick. I think Stuart Mandel has him as number six right now. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm putting them somewhere in the top, you know, 10 to 15 and then with an opportunity to work their way back up. But losing Jesse Minter, losing, uh, you know, just Harbaugh himself is a bit of a, a bit of a jump. We'll see. I mean, it's kind of like Alabama. It's really hard to predict. You, you know, their talent's going to do well. And again, you know, I'll, I'll I'll beat a dead horse and use the example of Larry Coker at Miami. I mean, you know, with enough talent, you know, you can look great that first season you're the head coach, and then you kind of see where they were in year two, year three, and all of that stuff. Ski Masks Murphy, what's up? Uh, what's up is I, I didn't join the momentarium last week. <laughs> yeah, I saw your oh, comment um, like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, we all sort of saw it coming, but – him taking a decent amount of staff on us losing guys, I would say I feel confident that we'll more than likely be in the playoff. I don't know if we're beating Ohio State, but keeping the continuity continuity with Sharon Moore and also him being an offensive line coach makes me more confident that things could hold on and get us another chance than like things are going to go pretty bad. Absolutely. You know, that's, schedule though is going to be pretty tough that that's the other big thing because you got in the first four weeks you know you got texas you have usc um at home both of them uh you get oregon at home but that's still a tough game so they're going to get some of the the, the better programs um in addition to their non-conference schedule I, and of course the rematch at washington i think i wonder if, of the four semifinal teams i think washington's the one that's going to take the biggest drop not just because of the coaching change but you know, they lose Penix, they lose a couple of guys that transferred out. I think they're the team of that four that is going to probably have the biggest drop-off. Um, uh, I think Texas and Alabama are going to be, I mean, Texas is probably going to be one of the top five easily heading into the next season. Um, I'm not sure where people will put out. Alabama's, again, mysterious, but I think, again, top 10 is a little bit more believable there only because they got, still got Jalen Milrow, which is a, which is a huge thing to have there and but yeah uh and then we just talked about michigan but 
Yeah, it's interesting to think about that. And that schedule is going to be fascinating. I don't think Jonathan Smith is going to have Michigan State necessarily in a place where they'll be able to take on Michigan. But it's exciting. I can't wait. I mean, oh gosh, there's a couple of their games I'd love to cover this upcoming season. If I, if I can make the time, I don't get a chance to travel quite as much. John, I know your hand up, and then we'll go back to Ski Mask Murphy. Yeah, um, I have a question actually for both of y'all because I know Ski Mask, um, you obviously have the expertise <laughs> when it comes to Michigan things. Um, so when it comes to Coach Moore, was there any other candidate that we really, really think that was going to be hired? Or, or do we really like, do we think that Coach Moore was the only guy that was going to be really that was really considered for this position? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm happy to go first on that. I I don't think there was anyone necessarily serious. I mean, it was interesting to watch some of these names that were being thrown out there, and most of the uh, names weren't necessarily surprises. They were more of the regular the regular names you see for kind of the higher profile jobs, particularly in the upper Midwest um, or just earlier this season, like. Lance Leipold from Kansas, uh, Kansas State's uh, Chris Kleiman, some of the guys from the Ravens, obviously Todd Monken, uh, who had clobbered them uh, when he was at uh, Georgia, as well as Mike McDonald returning. Um, but really, I mean, there were some others, too, that were just absurd. Like, Brian Kelly wasn't going to leave LSU. I mean, they're, they're certainly comparable positions, but he was too busy working what he's got going there. And Luke Fickle was like a – I couldn't even believe – I mean, like, who who paid to put Luke Fickle into that list? I mean, at that point, where's James Franklin, you know? Uh, when we're talking about agents who seem to always insert their, their clients' names in every coaching search whatsoever. But I don't think there really was one. I don't know if – if for some reason he had said no, I really wonder what would have happened with the plan B. I'm sure they had one, but I, I think it was really purely speculation because this felt more like a coronation um, than uh, <laughs> than many other. I mean, because there were all, there was also that discussion that oh, Michigan's a, a public school in uh, the state of Michigan, and they require I guess seven days to post a public job. I guess there was an exception because <laughs> it only took two days to formally name him. So. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some exception there and maybe because of the athletic department, maybe how it's set up that it didn't quite find itself subject to those rules. Uh, Ski Mask, did you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, bringing up the seven-day job posting part was hilarious. A lot of people pointed that out on inside the Reddit. But I was going to say, I just think that given how things played, I felt like Sharon Moore was only like real candidate in a sense. Just because, like, Harbaugh leaving just happened at a very odd time in the season. You know, normally coaches who are going from college to the NFL, it happens a little bit earlier, but this is like, it's, you know, it's like in the middle between week two and week three of the NFL playoffs, which is like just a weird, odd time for a coach to get hired. So just for election, Ron Moore was going to be it, but it, they just wanted to hold off on it to make people not think, you know, this is already planned pre ahead of time. And then also this coming after Nick Saban leaves, it's just sort of like no one cares who who's going to be the candidate for this job, really, because there was only really one job that was really out there people wanted. But, yeah, I'm surprised James Franklin's name wasn't on the list because his agent works harder than anybody else I've ever known. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, another thing I wanted to mention, just kind of a, a slightly different story, but one that is fascinating, because this has been rumored for a while, because Kansas is redoing – their, their stadium in Lawrence. And it's a huge project. They're really proud of it. They've been kind of sharing renderings and stuff all season long. But uh, it sounds like their construction project, they realize is, is not going to be done in time. Um, they realized it very quickly. So there were rumors that they were going to move perhaps some of the early games 
somewhere around there, maybe can the Kansas City area. They were thinking Arrowhead, although um again, uh, I, I don't know what the rent is for Arrowhead and the and the Chiefs, you know, obviously they have their schedule. So they were they were debating about it. And then today they kind of announced they are doing all of their home games next season in the Kansas City metro area, except it's not going to be entirely at Arrowhead. The first two games, which are non-conference games against an FCS program, Lindenwood and UNLV, are going to be in the MLS stadium, which is actually fantastic. It's called Children's Mercy Park. It's actually in the Kansas side of Kansas City. So Kansas City, Kansas. It seats, you know, isn't huge. It seats 18,000, but it's just a, you know, these newer MLS stadiums, if you've ever been to any of them or seen them, they're absolutely gorgeous. They're not huge. But they make you kind of realize, like, wow, there's, if anything, you think, like, some of these FCS schools are kind of letting us down. Like, you know, they should really update their stadiums and look as awesome as some of these, right? Um, Children's uh, Children's Mercy Park, we actually, one of our guys covered a game there, not a soccer game, but the Division II National Championship was there for two years. It was actually going to be there for longer, pardon me, for four years. It was going to be there for longer, but they were redoing the stadium, upgrading the field in their own offseason, which meant, uh, they had to move the D2 championship, so it's been in uh, somewhere, I think, north of Houston for the last several years. But um, it's a beautiful venue. And then for all four of their Big 12 home games, uh, TCU, Houston, Iowa State, and Colorado are going to be in Arrowhead uh, next season for the Jayhawks. So that'll be interesting. It'll be, uh, you know, schools have done that before. Certainly we've seen uh, teams move around. I remember when San Diego State played all their games in Carson, which is in L.A., for uh, for a season uh, or two when they were fixing up uh, the brand new Snapdragon Stadium. Gorgeous venue. So this has got to be exciting for those those folks at uh, Kansas. To, a little bit of change of venue. A lot of their fans obviously live in that metro. A lot of their rival fans, uh, both for K-State and Mizzou, live in that area. But it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting one and, and a fun one for some fans who, who love college and like NFL venues uh, or even a non-conference, probably even a, uh, an MLS venue. Uh, Ski Masks Murphy, and then I'm going to let up Ron. Yeah, you brought up Kansas, so I wanted to use this to segue into something I was going to ask earlier. But also, anyone out here, if you if you don't have, if you never had a chance, go experience the MLS Stadium there. I would say the new ones are sort of built similar to like the second, third division teams in European soccer. Out of that model, it's a little bit more homely, cozy, and supposed to be like the local community coming together. But also speaking on Kansas, because we had just talked about teams that we saw sort of going down, I wanted to know. Bobak, who do you think could be like some possible dark forces next season to sneak into the 12 team playoff? Boy, you know who I'm thinking of right now is NC State. Only because when I saw Grayson McCall was heading there from Coastal Carolina, that's like the classic sort of like the the way you become a dark horse. Is like you end up with a quarterback that's really good and they keep that that program going. And uh, I know they got some other transfers as well. They got some uh they got a guy from Duke, as I recall, they're running back Jordan Waters. Um, and they have some other decent talent around the ball. NC State's a classic, like no one really pays attention to them. Like they always seem to do all right, but you know they're going to eventually kind of choke at one point or another. And this could be a season where they surprise. So they would be one where I don't think anyone's really paying attention to them. But the fact that they got Grayson McCall, who's been like a starter for like, it feels like he's been a starter forever at Coastal Carolina joining them giving them some extra talent that could get them going. It would be kind of like, I'm not going to use the same example as, but in, cause to me the, the real surprise last season wasn't even Kansas Louisville, like Louisville first year head coach. I mean, not first year head coach, but first year in that system, taking the talent they already had with a little bit of supplementation and just absolutely, and not even a great quarterback. It's like, they got a journeyman quarterback and they were able to, to, you know, come within a, 
reasonable distance of the of getting into the four-team playoff. I mean, they were a real dark horse, but they stayed in the background for a while. I mean, it took until like the last couple of weeks for them to finally fall out. And now with a 12-team playoff, suddenly these teams that you're like, well, a lot of things would have to fall right for them to make a four-team playoff. We're talking a 12-team playoff. You know, they could have a really good year and not even win the ACC and get in as long as, you know, they, they do well in the rest of their schedule. I haven't actually, you know, now now here I'm, I'm feeling like a, uh, I should have had this handy in front of me before I even said that. But, I mean, looking at their schedule is, uh, well, the second week we're going to know really quick because they play a neutral site game in Charlotte against Tennessee. That'll be an interesting one because I think Tennessee... They're a little, they're hard to pay because last season, again, they, we were expecting a little bit more from them, but that quarterback looked so good in the Citrus Bowl that, that maybe this will be their year pending all this NCAA stuff. But, you know, we, whatever happens to the NCAA, it'll be 2025. I won't even care about it for no matter what team you are. Just worry about it later. Michigan proved like if NCAA is on your back, just, just get through the season. Just get through the season. None of your fans are going to care. And, you know, USC fans still count 2004. They really don't care what happened with Reggie Bush's rent for his parents' house. Like, I mean, just, so, but the rest of that, the rest of the NC state schedule is pretty reasonable. And it's still crazy to think that they have Stanford coming to town uh, and they have to go and play at Cal. Oh my gosh. Those are, Oh no, it's, it's there. The games are after each other, but there's a bye week in between. Cause it was like, that would be hilarious. I get the California sampler in this new ACC that we've got right now. My goodness. Uh, Ron, what's going on? Nothing much. I just wanted to say, yeah, MLS stadiums are badass. And I think more college football teams should build more stadiums like MLS stadiums. <laughs> like, why does Rutgers need a stadium that seats 40,000 people? No one, we don't have 40,000 people going to games. You Even say that, but watch, that's going to be the season New York suddenly wakes up and everyone in New York wants to go to a Rutgers game. Uh, the Big Tens, you're, you're going to jinx it. Like, suddenly everyone's going to care. <laughs> don't disrespect college football history. You gotta always respect Rutgers. Brother, the Rutgers got Rutgers is like the college football history. We existed. We won the national championship, and there was literally no other option to win national champion. That's the only way we won. <laughs> yeah, that's all I want to say. MLS stadiums are badass. You're right. And you're in Minnesota, <laughs> aren't you? Have you been to Alliance Field? Yeah, Alliance Field is awesome. Yeah, it, that was, it that actually was th- that's what really sold me on them because I went to a fo- I went to both a soccer game and a football game there. Because uh, they had the final D3 Tommy Johnny game there as kind of a finale and kind of a farewell to that rivalry before St. Thomas. And they actually planned it before that had happened, but then St. Thomas had to move to FCS. So it, it's it's a gorgeous venue. They have this thing called the Wonder Wall, which because they always they always sing that after their games, and they had before it was even an MLS program. It actually was inherited by the pre-MLS soccer team that they had. And so they created this, but they called the Wonder Wall. It's a vertical standing only triangle. Like it, it, it's like, I don't know how many layer levels up, but it goes up pretty high. And so it's at one end of the stadium. And I didn't quite understand the acoustic value that it has until, unfortunately, we didn't get to hear it a lot because uh, the Tommies didn't do that well because all the Tommy students were up there. And the one time they had a great like play, they all shouted at once. And then like, even though you're like, this venue doesn't necessarily see a ton it was a shockwave like that went through the stadium. So it's fun to see what these things can do. I know, like, for example, in D.C., Audi Field hosted, I think, Harvard uh, Howard when they played one of their uh, one of that series over there as well. But, yeah, it's always been fun to see when some of these, these stadiums get worked into it. I think technically 
I always, I can't remember. Is it Toyota? I don't know if it's necessarily an uh, FCS or I mean MLS program uh, that uses it, but Toyota originally, but Toyota Stadium has been hosting the FCS title game for heaven knows, like gosh, yeah, since 2010. My goodness. So yeah, it's there's been a couple in there that have worked their way into college football, and I, and technically, Snapdragon Stadium is going to be MLS too, but it wasn't purpose built for that, obviously. Yeah, the they have that they have that team going soon. I will say, yeah, absolutely, because you're, you're moving to San Diego, right? Yeah, I left one awesome stadium, Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta, and I'm going to Snapdragon now. Mercedes-Benz is, if you if you guys have never been there, absolutely gorgeous, incredible stadium. Uh, and it, I, there is no, for a football stadium, even when you're high up, it, it still feels like a good view. There's no bad seats there, I think. And the fact that beer and food is cheap is awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. We need to bring. I was. I can't remember earlier this uh, week. I was looking up classic misadventures in uh, sports sports uh, giveaways because I was thinking of. I was talking to a friend, and they were going to a concert, and they were complaining about how they were getting like a a concert poster, and they why can't they just give me like a tube or something to put it in? I was thinking, do they just not want people to attack people with like these these giant tubes? But I was thinking, like, what are some of the worst concert gifts ever? And uh, you go back, you end up going to baseball because you think of Disco Inferno night when they everyone was chucking the discs on the field and Nickel Beer night where people stormed the field. Uh, those have been obviously uh, 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 baseball examples. But, you know, I was at an event that happened like that. Oh, gosh, like 2007 game day was at Nebraska and they were expecting an enormous crowd. They were going to try and beat the record. So they hosted it in Memorial Stadium. And. I forgot who sponsored it, and it seemed like a good idea. They sponsored seat cushions. So there were seat cushions everywhere, and they were just handing them to people heading into game day. It was a huge game day crowd. And uh, people just started chucking them in the air. And they weren't, like, the highest-end seat cushions. So they were, you know, uh, plastic welding, you know, where the edges are kind of a rough kind of sharp edge. So And they were firm. They were really strong. So people were chucking them up like Frisbees. The problem is they were raining back down with those sharp edges and they were coming down pretty fast. So I remember I went with a friend and one nicked him on the nose and he had like a slash. Um, so sometimes giving away things like that, not always really well thought out, especially because it wasn't even the game yet. So people using those as kind of these sharp edged Frisbees, kind of like a Kung Fu. It was almost like a Kung Fu film where you get like the hat that's like a, a you know, a, a razor ring around it. But uh, <laughs> my goodness. Last, last thing I'll say, that reminded me when... Uh... When I was a student at Virginia Tech, and I went to the the battle at Bristol, um, I, they had like it wasn't College Game Day because I don't think it was on Saturday. It was on like a different day of the week. I made a sign. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it made fun of Peyton Manning for you know the, the situation he found himself in when he was in college. You know, I, if you know about that scandal, and Michael Vick. I made a comment and it included Michael Vick in there too for some reason. And I thought it was funny, but it just made every Virginia Tech fan mad because it mentioned what my, Michael Vick and the dog fighting. And it just made every Tennessee fan mad because it was talking about the sexual harassment he got charged with. And I just create I almost created a brawl between them and somehow I got away out of it without the slightest scratch. An agent of chaos. An agent of chaos. Just like <laughs> well, I, I was I heard J Jim Harbaugh described as an agent of chaos, but that was a totally different agent of chaos. That's the uh <laughs> you know, uh let, let's create the the havoc. Man, that, I wish that would have such a fascinating game. I'm surprised they haven't tried to redo that kind of a 
that kind of a game again. But uh, that was absolutely fascinating when they had that at the Battle of Bristol. Hey, John, your hands up. What's going on? Yeah, um, a couple things. Uh, first of all, um, yeah, I'm a little biased because I'm a Falcons fan, but Mercedes-Benz Stadium, absolutely gorgeous place. I think, yeah, like like Ron said, if you haven't been, definitely check it out. It's an incredible spot. Uh, secondly, definitely backing up uh, MLS fields. Really know how to do it, man. At Audi Field, it's a gorgeous field. I went there for the first ever, their, uh, not first it's ever, but the original XFL uh, in 2020. And for the first ever XFL game, Defenders playing, got to witness the beer snake in person. It was an incredible experience. And it, like, like, you know, like Ski Mask and, you know, Ron's saying, it's, it, it feels homey. I really do think that that should be a great design going forward for a lot of stadiums for our respective audiences. Um, and third thing, most importantly, and also a general question for you. Um, when when can we when can we give Reggie Bush his hyphen back? I mean, this this is getting ridiculous. I'm watching I'm I'm seeing <laughs> Iowa linemen getting beef and corn and beer uh well not beer, but maybe beef and corn uh sponsorships and NIL deals. But we can't we don't have the common decency as a society to give Reggie Bush his his hyphen trophy back. I just feel like we I feel like we every year we go through this, we're failing the man. And it's it's just it's just getting ridiculous at this point. <laughs> you know he'll get it back one day don't lose faith john yeah i i agree i agree with ron there but i just have to say i, I have to correct you when you said the first xfl i mean i was trying to be a fan in 2001 i was what? trying and my hometown my then hometown uh, la extreme won the champion championship that happened that season. And I do admit after a game and a half, I kind of stopped watching like most of America. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, I meant to say uh, pre pre COVID XFL, like the, yeah, the XFL. Oh man, that, that, that was such a weird 2000, that 2000. I still remember the, the, instead of a kickoff, having the two guys just run at the ball in the middle of the field. I still can't believe they thought like everyone kind of even thought it was a bad idea, but my goodness. And, who can't forget he hate me? That's still one of the best jerseys ever. <laughs> yeah. Like that is that is an all time classic. I think toss, people still know it. The coin toss thing didn't even last two weeks because guys got hurt. After week two, they took it out. I remember yeah. everything in that 2001 season. <laughs> I I was I was too young to just like even have be sentient. Essentially, I was like four years old when that was going on. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> but I know he hate me. Yeah, he hit me was classic. I mean, oh my gosh, Ron Smart, baby. You know, I mean, and I remember it, it was so influential that even Spike Lee made a movie called She Hate Me, which is a play on Ron Smart. I think there was supposed to be there was even a little like a reference to it. So I mean, that was that's like one of those moments where I mean, the fact that they let guys put nicknames on their jerseys. I was actually surprised that didn't survive. <laughs> college should allow that. Can you imagine a college yeah. team with that? Oh man. I, I would tell you what I I think I, I hate I hate the you know fast forward the 2020 just because it was my it was my own personal experience but I think the best thing they ever did in XFL in that year was they would do interviews with guys on the field if if they made a mistake we the kicker that day for the defenders missed three kicks and every three field goals every time he missed a field goal a reporter would sprint on the field full speed and go to him before he even got to the sideline and ask him. <laughs> oh, how do you feel about that field goal you just missed? Every single Wasn't time. Bad. And that was the funniest thing I would I, – I wish. I wish they would do that in, in the NFL or college setting. Just this, just for the pure chaos of it all. I swear – wasn't that Pat McAfee doing those interviews that year? Uh, it, it was later, but it was a uh, it was a young lady. I can't remember her name. She was uh, doing those on the, for the first game. 
Yeah, because I know oh, they yeah, had like, like a, a funny little setup where once Pat McAfee got there, was and all the people, sideline people was they they worked both sidelines, so they literally run across the field for whatever happened, and Pat had to do everything on special teams related. So I remember one week a guy did miss a kick, and you just see Pat in the background of the screen just running across to get that interview. Good stuff, man. You know Good the nickname. Speaking of the nickname thing that you mentioned, Bobak, um, if they did that in college football. Just imagine all the boomers that would have a heart attack watching a lineman wearing like eighty-two with like some silly on his jersey, like a Penn State jersey. Venmo it, me. It, it's going to send some old guy in, co- in College Town or whatever the hell it's called to, to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I think it could be really funny. And uh, oh my goodness, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And you know, one thing I do forget, uh, or one before I forgot, is I noticed one of the few times I watched. I don't, I don't know if this was a conference-only thing because, again, they're hard to find now. But for a brief period of time, they put a lot of those Canadian college football games because they play youth sports football up there on, like, free streaming, like, official streaming sites. And now a lot of them are behind paywalls. I'm not going to pay for that. But I remember I was watching this one game, and they were doing sideline interviews with the players during the game. And I'm like, this is bonkers. Like, no one's watching this, but this is actually really entertaining because, they're you know, it's Canadian football's higher speeds, three downs. They tend to get really aggressive with, with some of these plays. And, yeah, they were just talking to the players, you know, college players in the middle of the game. And I'm like, this is wild. No one, I, I'd never seen that before, but uh, that was great. Let's see here. Ski Master Murphy, I see your hand up, and I see Quacker PI. I'm going to let you up as well. I just want to say what is going through what you just talked about with Canadian college football, Canadian Football League. Oh, it's going back to the XFL, even maybe arena football could come back. It just sort of shows you like every other league has like the best innovation that the NFL just can't think of. Because I remember with um, the failed experiment, the Alliance Football League that couldn't pay the players. One thing they did on there that I thought was interesting was that um, during a challenge or a booth review, you would actually be in the booth and hear the audio from the person actually looking at the play. And seeing what's actually breaking down, I just think that's a good idea. Because like, oh, that's great. The XFL gave us the um, what is it? Skycam is XFL, right? The original two thousand one XFL. Was that sounds right? right. Yeah. And then, but yeah, you said your yeah the LA stream. Your team won the championship, but I do remember that championship did not fully broadcast. <laughs> it was. Ron, you you missed out. It was that season was such a mess, but it was so beautiful. Yeah, it was. I, I had a friends go to the first uh, like uh, L.A. Extreme home game, and they told me it's like so. This is because you got to remember L.A. was was kind of interesting because they had lost both uh, both NFL teams for all that while. Uh, the both the um, the Raiders and the uh, the Rams had left. And uh, there was this joke where they're like, he was like, man, all the Raiders fans have shown up again. Because he was like, this is one of the most wild, drunk, aggressive, fight-heavy uh, football audiences I've ever seen. And I'm like, yep, the Raiders are back. Uh, and they were, they were back in the extreme for that, that bit of time. But uh, Quacker P.I., you've been patient. What's on your mind? Hey, what's up, or all? Quacker Pie. I get it. It's Quacker Pie. I am so Whoa. sorry. Sometimes... No, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, hi, I was just wanted to call in and say that the XFL is goaded. Agreed. Uh, I often watch clips from the 2000, early 2000s XFL. Uh, amazing. I wish that more of that was there. Uh, minus the you know injury causing starts that that's a little rough. But you know some of that 
trash talking and you know the jersey you know what whatever the hell was going on back then uh also audi audi field is amazing in dc uh shout out um i'm a renegades fan myself uh but defenders fans are the best in the xfl shout out to them uh yep that that's about it what, what's your uh what's your college team uh tcu Oh, okay. nice. So you can imagine we were all kind of guessing with with anything involving duck-related uh, uh, sounds. We were thinking of Oregon. But no, yeah, not Oregon. Screw Oregon. <laughs> Sorry, Oregon <laughs> fans. <laughs> yeah, TC is going to be fun next season. I'm, I'm very curious to I see how, so. they, how they kind of turn it around after, you know, I, we expected a drop-off. I'm not necessarily expecting yeah, five I don't expect quite down. that level of a drop-off, but especially hey. now that the season's out and uh, opening at Stanford will be a fun way to see where they are. Okay, 2011, or, or I'm sorry, not 2011. 2021, we went five and seven. 2022, we made it to the national championship. 2023, we went five and seven. Now, logic says that 2024, we make the national championship. So 17 and 0, baby. That's what it'll yep, be. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that's what we're going for now. I, I, isn't that like, I think, assuming yeah. you don't get a first round bye, I think that's how it works. But, uh, right. I don't. I don't think we're getting a first round. But I don't think we're making the playoff. But hey, uh, I'm fine with eight and four, nine and three. I'm really excited to see TCU play at Utah in a conference game again because those oh, were some of the most amazing. exciting games. Like Did I remember TCU when they keep their head coach. Oh, those things are so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. TCU the, kept their head. The same. Oh yeah, Sunny Dykes is still there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, I mean, to go from the national championship to five and seven, even with a lot of roster churn, that's like a well, remember like, that, like that, like that, that, that was his first that season far. when he made the national championship. I mean, he was at SMU the previous year, so that was just wildly oh. successful. That was like the ultimate, like everything. As anyone that who watched just, that season, I mean, that like, they the, weren't supposed to go there, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it really depends on this year. If he has another bad year, does he go then? No, no, we like Sunny Dykes. Keep him around. Yeah, they like him. They absolutely do. Like <laughs> he to get to where they did that first season, he's bought himself at least a couple of seasons. And and again, right. last season was just a. I mean, no one quite expected it like, to go quite like that. But also, it was just kind of a weird start because remember they they were the ones that that uh, that was like Colorado Super Bowl apparently. As it uh, turned yeah, we out, we had to sacrifice them at the altar of Coach Prime. I forgot <laughs> about that. Man, am I looking forward? To, are they play, they they've got to be playing? A, no, they're not playing in the regular season next year. Oh, that's a shame. Guess I'll just have to play him the Big Twelve title game. Am I right? No. Yeah. <laughs> that was that the Big Twelve title game for that twenty twenty two season? Uh, by the way, K State fans, you're you're great. Keep it up. Um, yeah, that that's about it for me. Awesome, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hold on, uh, Quacker Pie. I, I saw your uh, bio. Are you sending out uh, invites to that uh, that Discord of member of one right now? I want to double the membership. <laughs> no no it's not up right now so <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thanks so much for joining us man that was great yeah thank you very much oh my goodness so let's see here technically this it's so funny because we're heading into the i know not a lot of people pay attention to it but we've got the senior bowl coming up this weekend and that's kind of in my mind the end of the regular season in a lot of, or at least the, the, the kind of the, after the, the throws a transit, they, I mean, not to go into their own marketing, but they like to say it's the beginning of a draft season and it kind of is. So I guess we're heading in that direction. We'll have to start paying attention to that. I admit 
I'm not the biggest NFL guy, so I'll have to uh, to catch up with with the draft and all of that stuff. You know, another interesting uh, story that popped up. Not sure it's coming from ESPN, but it's still kind of a sources. Is that uh, Auburn um, may be looking to hire DJ Durkin as their defensive coordinator? That'll be an interesting move. He's kind of got some controversies, obviously, about what happened in Maryland. But there have been teams who have been absolutely willing to uh, look the other way, Texas A&M being the kings of that. So, oh, it looks like they may have hired him already. No, nothing is more determinative than looking at Wikipedia because those guys are so obsessive about not adding somebody until they are 100% like hired in the job. Like if you dare breathe, like Harbaugh could literally go and say, I am going to be the next head coach of the Chargers. And he'll still say he's a head coach of Michigan until somehow they found the paper has been signed. So. Um, yeah, looks like DJ Jerkins now at Auburn because again, they're the, they're certainly the school that took the lead over the last couple of seasons of like, just win baby. We don't care where you're from. Uh, again, uh, apparently, um, Oh, one of the other kind of amusing stories that happened this week, really just today, Washington, uh, tweeted a, you know, a celebratory video about their PAC 12 championship and it got DMCA, AKA copyright struck, uh, almost immediately. It's, some people were joking the Pac-2 did it, but the Pac-2, you know, Oregon State and Washington State would be really funny. Um, but they're still, remember, they're still members. Everyone's still a member of the Pac-12. Uh, the clock doesn't turn because they're still playing other sports. You may have heard there are other sports out there. That, the clock doesn't turn until uh, July 1st. That's when the uh, kind of the athletic calendar resets. But um, it was probably music. Somebody said they might have used the Frank Sinatra song. It doesn't matter what. It's like the most annoying thing if you've ever dealt with any kind of Social media account, I'm speaking from personal experience with the one I'm talking from right now. If you put up a video with music, you've got to make sure it's not owned by somebody else. We actually once got, it's so silly. We got hosed because we hosted a video that somebody made for a little award show we did. It was Cody Gopher. And we didn't realize that he had snuck into the back of his video, like not to like get us, but he snuck in the Rocky theme. So Suddenly we get a copyright strike. I get all of these emails. I'm like, what, what, what did we do? What, you, know, you, you don't know. They never tell you exactly what it is immediately, especially because sometimes it could have been months ago, years ago. Somehow a, a computer will, will find the tweet. And uh, we're like, oh, it was Goldie Gopher's video. Oh, he used the Rocky theme. Oh, this company in London that is you know, taking a chunk of every copyright enforcement it filed it at us. So that's what I'm assuming happened to Washington. Just one of these silly automated accounts caught their championship celebration tweet and took it down almost immediately. So be careful of that. In fact, in the last, gosh, half dozen years, there have been several football accounts, like major college football accounts, that like end up accidentally getting taken down because of that sort of thing. Because they, you know, somebody doesn't think about it and accidentally uh, gets a copyright strike and then doesn't clear it so that, you know, next thing you know, a year later, two years later, you get a second or a third, and then your whole uh, account gets suspended over it. But uh, hopefully that doesn't happen to them. Ski Master Murphy, I see your hand up. Yeah, I just wanted to say with the D- DCMA thing, it it's it's a lot because I run a very unsuccessful YouTube channel. But the stuff you will get DMCA takedown for, and when it gets fully explained, it, it can go all kinds of different directions. Because... Typically, I just have the ones where it's like, hey, we're observing you're playing this video game and this song is on the soundtrack. So it's just like, here's just a note that's like, that lets you know, hey, your videos can still stay up. But also, 
We'll let you know there's a copyright claim on it. So I was like, okay, that's cool. But then it gets into that minutia of like sometimes it's like, especially now with like I have videos that are older, they'll be like, hey, this is partially blocked. And then I'll go into it just like, yeah, you got 20 songs listed in here. All of them are fine except for one. And this one song, it'll be a rap song, but it's like, okay, this rap song, you're restricted. This doesn't show in Russia. It, it's, it's a mess once you get into it. Oh, absolutely. One time I got like just on my own personal Instagram account. I, uh, I used video that I used music that Instagram said you could use. And then next thing I know, I'm getting like, oh, this is not able to play in you know the United States. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> thank you. That's kind of where I am. So yeah, some of these, uh, some of these are kind of silly like that. And you know, the system will hopefully one day get fixed. John, your hands up. What's up? I'm not going to lie. When you uh, said you guys got uh, struck, I was going to think it was a song that was not 47 years old. Um, so <laughs> that's that's incredible that you guys were getting struck over a song that is old enough to really start considering its retirement uh, plans in the next <laughs> like 10 to 15 years. So that's, uh, I am what, younger than that movie, but not by a whole lot. So I got to say that's really kind of that's hitting me. That, that's hitting me deep. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Hey, hey, you uh, know, it, it, it really is how you mentally feel. Don't don't worry about anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, one other thing I wanted to throw up there too. Uh, I think it's K, uh, oh gosh, Keishon Booth, the the former LSU player. I don't know if you guys saw the illegal gambling charge he's got. Like, uh, uh, there's so many. It's, the more you read the story, the more astonishing it is. Um, he got uh, arrested and charged with computer fraud and, and gaming prohibited for persons under 21. If you miss this story, because I mean, he while he was a student, this sounds like he did this with NIL money, but um, he waged eighty nine hundred, so eight thousand nine hundred bets for. Uh, I mean, while he was still under twenty one, while he was still on the LSU football team, seventeen of them were on college football games, and six of them were on LSU games. Now, to be fair, it sounds like he was like betting on himself in fact he took a prop bet that he was going to get the most catches in the game and uh he didn't uh he also the, the if you guys have been reading about this he wasn't even trying to hide his username it was literally his name zero one that was like one of his accounts and i mean again he dropped in i think his initial wager i mean he 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 was betting at one point he had earned like $500,000 in gambling, but he had also ended up losing. So he actually lot lost more money than he had eventually put in. But that is, just, it's astonishing. Yeah. He bet over $450,000 in 2022 and lost 65,000. And then in 2023, he bet $186,000 and lost $16,000. So I, that is certainly one of the things you've, I've never seen before. That is, that is striking. That puts, the entire state of Iowa to to shame in terms of gambling scandal—not scandals, but but just funny gambling stories. You know, I see some hands up, but I want to let Beck. He's been really patient. What's on your mind? Hey, hey, uh, thanks. I don't know if you guys talked about the Tennessee NIL uh, getting in trouble, and uh, if you have, that's that's okay. Um, but if you haven't, if you haven't, uh, want to see if, if you have any thoughts on that. And the second thing is, uh, once, you know, since Jim Harbaugh is gone, if NCAA, you know, years down the road, uh, issues anything, like, it'd be hilarious. 
I agree on that. I'll, I'll, I really quickly touched on Tennessee super early at the very beginning of all of this. So um, my thoughts on that were it it just the bigger thing to say is because the story and I think the New York Times added the context. Apparently, the issue is um, they took when he was, the current quarterback uh, Nico when they were recruiting him the uh, the uh, collective which is a very very well um, funded collective at Tennessee. Um, they were put him on a private plane to take him on a visit. And that apparently was not okay. Uh, nothing crazy, like nothing far worse. Things have been accused over the years, but the, what really almost with that and what happened at FSU, where apparently again, they're going after, uh, the program for the offensive coordinator, driving a potential transfer to a meeting with, uh, a collective, um, that transfer ended up not happening he stayed at his school those two uh in the last month have seemed to be showing that the ncaa is finally trying to at least somewhat crack down on what has been a very wild west period in uh the collective market what that does in the long run or even the short run isn't entirely clear um with the ncaa taking so many losses in courts it seems like some of this stuff could get challenged and it's not entirely clear it would work um so many states have passed rules that almost make these things unenforceable within the state. So, especially involving NIL stuff. Um, so I'm curious to see where that goes. Now, shifting to part two of your question, uh, Michigan and, you know, uh, uh, oh, could you, could you, oh, I had, I had something ready to go on that. What, what could you, sorry, Beck, what was your, what was your follow up? Oh, no, yeah, no, uh, not really a question, but I was just saying it'd be hilarious if NCAA. Oh, right. If they were to, you know, if they do the one, it's so funny because it's mad. It's funny to imagine what kind of penalty they Michigan would even get. Like, do you, you can't punish yeah. more for something he didn't do. Can you imagine? It's like, well, we're suspending you now. Yeah. And totally game. different. Class. Like, what the hell did I do? Totally different. He already, took one suspe- he already was suspended, I think, for one game already in that first couple of games uh, because of the uh, because of the whole thing with the um, with uh, yeah, the cheeseburger case. Not a cheese. I love that. Or the not a cheeseburger. It's either cheeseburger, not a cheeseburger, depending on what side of it you yeah. are. Uh, but cheeseburgers, nonetheless, Uh yeah, I'm curious. To see. The most plausible one, like if the NSA really wanted to like make an example, I could see them maybe doing a one season bowl ban or postseason ban. I don't know if they would do it, but when I was hearing, like, I heard a discussion um, about what possible penalties they could have, yeah, and what would actually make a difference because scholarship reductions have actually been kind of made rendered pointless. Because let's say you have a scholarship reduction. Okay, well, NIL, could you pay for these exactly. guys to go? The money that's already going out, the NILs could easily make up any kind of difference. So it's it's a really we're in a really weird zone. Yeah, right and, now. and and the bowl ban, it would be crazy because it's totally different kids and and different coaches. Like, uh, I agree, and I think the NCAA's finally gotten the word from the because the, they they are doing things they are technically at the uh, behest of all the universities that make up the NCAA. And I think finally enough of them said, you know, this is stupid. You know, the, the bowl bands thing and the postseason bands, especially when they would cross more than one season. Yeah. For um, sure. Thank you. You won't see multi-season ones, but uh, for sure, you. you know, I, I, uh, I want to get a couple, I saw a couple of hands are up. Who knows? We've talked about so much. But let's see here, John, I saw your hand up ski masks, Murphy, and then I'll, I'm letting up Elizabeth. I well, first of all, regarding the Tennessee thing, I I wonder I wonder if the NCAA is going to start putting more stricter rules. Like, all right, no more private planes, no even no even no more even nice planes. 
y'all gotta y'all gotta ride uh they can't even ride Delta. You guys gotta ride American to all your all your business from now on. You got no check bags allowed, no carry on bags. You gotta pay for your own stuff. But um, <laughs> we're gonna bring Ryanair <laughs> to the United States just to fly recruits. <laughs> oh yeah, you got you got ride Spirit Airlines at the back, right beside the bathroom. It's the only fairway. Main cabin, main cabin four jet blue middle seat. <laughs> oh god! But uh, going back to you guys know, are uh, evil. Going, <laughs> going back to uh, going back to boat. Uh, you know the gambling. Uh, I I can't believe. Listen, can we talk about the fact it took him that long to find his username in the system? How how did he get away for this eight thousand bets with his own name and no one and then never hit any alarm bells on anything? How did that, his friends that's, that's not the most say shocking like part? Like how many bets per day? Somebody worked it out. He was doing like a dozen, like a dozen bets what? per day to even make that work. No, some, some somebody on the the Reddit CFB account worked out. They said. Accounting for not sleeping, if he if he if this person stayed awake twenty four hours a day for the amount of time the warrant said for, he was placing one bet an hour. Oh my god! <laughs> it's it's absolutely bonkers because it was clearly a lot of different sports. I mean, so his friends had him notice his teammates like, "Hey man, what you doing? Like placing bets?" You know, like he must have been a complete. Oh my goodness! And, yeah, he, uh, he he was he was full sicko. That's full sicko. That man was betting on Chinese or Taiwanese ping pong at four a.m. in the morning. There's no way that you're not you're not betting on crazy obscure sports. He was betting on sports that don't even sound real. He was betting on NAIA football games that no one's even heard of with teams that kind of sound real, but you're never entirely sure if they are. He he, um, he was he was betting on chess boxing. And probably and probably uh, underwater hockey. There's there's no way you don't you don't bet on something that isn't that isn't just all football at that point. Oh, here, by the way, one more thing I forgot to add to this whole story. Well. What? How did nobody catch him as well? Like, well, I was about to say, FanDuel is the one that ratted him out. They're the ones that actually contacted Louisiana State Police about a possible college athlete placing sports wagers. So it came from inside the building. Um, <laughs> my goodness. Wow. That is, that is something else. But, uh, the card was under his mom's name. So, but still again, the username, the first username was Kayshawn bout seven. And then the other one was Kayshawn bout zero one. So he, you can tell he just probably lost the password to the first one. Uh, that, 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 I mean, what do you even say <laughs> with these kinds of decisions? I, I, I don't know. Let's see. Excuse me. If your hand is up and let's go to Elizabeth after that. Yeah, I just wanted to add a little bit more on this because I remember because um, she didn't bring up the whole state of Iowa thing. And that just brought me back to like months ago when we were on here talking about how basically everybody at Iowa and Iowa State were all betting at every sport. So much to the point that um, I think it was at the University of Iowa, like the national champion wrestler was betting on all his matches that he would win. And he was getting himself money and they tell the kids to bet on themselves and they try to stop it. But yeah. This Keishon Booth one is like a level of sickness and degenerateness that I haven't seen. I mean, my friend said it talked to me at one point because I had a problem when betting first got legalized here. And yes, you, you can bet on chess boxing and table tennis at China at three in the morning. And I don't know what Booth was betting on, but he was going crazy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, and also, I was just watching, um, what is it, a uh, basketball player named Jeff Teague. I don't know if you guys know who he is, but on his podcast, one of the guys on there works inside of um, 
the Indiana Pacers basketball team organization. And he said, like, every month the NBA puts out the notice to all players and the team staff that basically every month there's a whole, like, scan through every betting site that runs names and everything. So I don't know how Booth was able to get away with it for so long. Yeah, again, somehow, especially with his name on the damn account. Maybe they thought, like, nah, this is too obvious. This couldn't be him. He wouldn't be that dumb. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you also remember, was it last season, the, oh, the, um, the baseball game between Alabama and LSU, I think, where they caught one of the coaches basically betting that he was going to lose, but the game was in Alabama, but the bets were coming out of Ohio? Yes, yes, I remember that. Oh my goodness. This is uh sports gambling has absolutely made it so weird. It's like if there wasn't so many other things in college football, uh in college sports in general right now, that would be this would be such a bigger story. Just but it's fascinating. Elizabeth, what's going on? Hey, bye back. I wasn't going to chime in tonight, but uh the topic is really uh interesting. I there's a couple of stories pre NIL. Uh, I'm not going to say the universities, but uh, say a, a state has a lot of gambling and a college football player goes in and miraculously wins like $21,000 at, you know, um, that's underaged, but he wins at one of the machines. Uh, so there's ways to get money to players. That's been done so long. And I'm not going to say the name of the school either, even though it's in, in Indiana, where my friend neighbor who attended Stanford was recruited there. Um, and there were, I guess, prostitutes at a place you wouldn't think there would be prostitutes um, in the dorms, or not the dorms, but the hotel rooms next to them. So these sort of things, I was like, I'm like, you're kidding me, right? This school does what really um so i just thought i would share those without naming names but you could probably guess who they might be <laughs> i'm just saying. yeah I'll, I'll i'll let i'll let the imaginations run wild out there i'm never gonna i'm always careful about what, what buttons i press out there yeah so but i, I was like are you serious he, i'm like i don't believe you he's like no it was it was the worst it was like at the school, you would not expect that. Um, yeah, uh, it was interesting. So again, my neighbor uh, did play for Stanford, and he told me some fantastic recruiting stories. But this was, you know, probably ten years ago, way before. That, that damn Indiana State program, man! I can't. Believe I, I was thinking IUPUI <laughs> Fort Wayne because we know it's all about those mastodons or whatever they are. <laughs> Like I said, I'm not in universities, but I'm just saying some of the stories I have, damn, uh, wow, what, really? And this is firsthand, not from, you know, third party. This is like, no, and they recruited me. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's so interesting. Oh, my and gosh, my heart is broken. I did not realize IUPUI Fort Wayne split. I, I didn't realize. No. I still re I'm so out of touch. Like no, in 2018, they, they split them apart. Wait, IEP. Yeah, well, there's, there's just some the, random tiny ass college. 
Yeah, I'm there's two of them. I, there's IUPUI in Indianapolis, but then there was IUPUI Fort Wayne. And the reason they came up is because one year they made the, the D1 tournament and the Mastodons, um, which was kind of a funny thing. So, cause they, were, they, were just, they were memorable. But uh, anyways, we're, we're on to you, IUPUI Fort Wayne. You, you won't get away with all of this. Um, <laughs> we, we, we've, we've singled you out, even though your school apparently uh, split in two in 2018 uh, in two into a, a Purdue and an Indiana Fort Wayne. So, uh, well, that won't, that won't save you. You can't divide and conquer. I'm, I'm heartbroken <laughs> now. Cause that was like one of my go-to, like just like random colleges. Do one of those like deep cuts, you know, like middle was, Tennessee like, state university, IUPUI, IUPUI Fort Wayne. It's like random colleges that no <laughs> one thinks about. Exactly. Even though he never said foot in the state of Indiana, shout out Rick Pitino. Since we're talking about scandals. It might have been in Louisiana. I'm just saying. There was uh, in Kansas in the 70s, I want to say. One of their basketball players had a Mercedes. And the NCAA was like, where'd you get this from? He's like, oh, I work for the dealership now. And um, so the, the NCAA goes to the guy who owns the dealership. And they're like, okay. Like, does he work here? He's like, oh, no, he does, but we just transferred him to a different one of our dealerships. So they just kept on sending the NCAA in circles over and over <laughs> again until he graduated college. And then they were like, oh, well, he doesn't work here anymore. So they got the car back. That's awesome. It's absurd what we used to have to do. For That's these like the what was it, a gold Trans Am? Oh yeah, that's that's the car of choice for the SMU player. I mean, they even they even finally did a tweet based on that, didn't they? they there was a tweet that they did in the last season or two that featured a gold yeah. Trans Am. They they knew what they were doing. Yeah, and I think he just recently told the truth about it on the Pivot podcast, where his family, his grandparents could afford it, but it was like, you buy it, we'll give you the rest of the money. But I don't know. Still, still to this day, no one knows how. SMU made it disappear from Texas A&M. Absolutely. Well, you know what, guys? It has been almost a perfect hour, and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to wrap this up. This is a fun conversation. This was this was a great time. It's always fun talking to all of you guys and uh, hearing from all of you. Um, for those of you who've listened, thank you so much. For those of you who've participated, I always appreciate it. This was RCFB Talk 179. My name is Bob Akhairi. We do these every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Throughout the off season, um, it's a little more relaxed in the off season. We kind of go as long as as long as we need to, and kind of try and wrap it up in, in an hour or so. At, you know, longer if we need to, half an hour if it's it's kind of a quiet night. But um, I'll turn this into a podcast. We'll get this up wherever we have those. If you miss the beginning, this turns into a recording. I hope all of you have a great rest of your week. Hopefully, it's a little more quiet. No major coach changes, retirements, anything like that. Um, hopefully some wackiness happens for us to talk about next week. We'll see. Always stuff to talk about. Thanks for joining us. Now I'm hang up and listen.